welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. The following interview is designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. Stop wasting money on marketing and only do marketing that works. Order your copy of Don't Buy a Duck today. If you've ever felt lost in need of a roadmap, if you ever wanted to get the right folks in the door and dollars in the drawer, you've opened the right book. Order your copy at www.don'tbuyaduck.com today. That's don'tbuyaduck.com. And now, let's begin today's Leadership Series interview. Welcome to today's Business Leadership Series. I'm your host, Derek Champagne. Our goal with this series is to inspire you to become the best leader that you can be. I am excited about our guest today. We've got Michael Levin, who is a very accomplished writer. He's a New York Times bestselling author, has written, co-written, ghostwritten more than 100 books, 11 are national bestsellers. I remember him first from ABC's Shark Tank on the first season, where he did very well and was very liked by the judges. Even though they did not take the deal with him, they were very interested in him and his personality, and he won a lot of people over then. Uh, he's also published with Simon & Schuster and Random House and St. Martin's Press, Putnam Berkeley and many other houses. And his work's been featured for film and TV, including HBO, Disney, ABC, and others. And he's even had a novel, Model Behavior, that was an ABC Sunday Night Disney Movie of the Week. So... Michael, welcome. You, you've got more contributions with the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes.com, Politico, Los Angeles Times, the Boston Globe, and I'm running out okay, of breath okay, to okay. share Everybody your resume. <laughs> welcome, right. Michael. D Derek, thank you. It's, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you and your listeners. I got the opportunity to work with you this summer. I had a great experience working with you over the last couple of years of doing lectures on marketing and social media, and I had been working on the writing process for over a year to get this book finished. And when I met you, I really had a 40 page outline for my <laughs> lectures. And my first meeting with you was just, was just very eye opening. And you really helped turn around the chapters and give consulting. And it was just one of the most valuable things that I could have done. And so I, I really appreciate that. And so your guidance allowed me to complete the book and finish writing it with a lot better focus and some really targeted takeaways that are more valuable to the reader. You know, Derek, that's very nice of you to say. And the, when I'm with a client, the first thing we do is we sit down and plan the book, and we do this in a 60 to 90 minute meeting, as you and I did. And the, we want to get three clear, three things clear right away. One is what is the specific audience for the book? Because there's no such thing as a mass audience today. Even two thirds of America ignores the Super Bowl. Five sixths don't watch the Oscars. So let's not think being a best selling author. Let's think being a best earning author. Who writes you checks? Who is the audience you're trying to influence and motivate? What next step do you want them to take with you? And then what body of knowledge is in your head that would convince them to take that next step with you? And these three questions unlock a person's uniqueness. And what I find over and over again is that folks are very, very successful, but they don't always know why they're successful. And they don't always know or they're not or they're too humble or, they're, or, or they just don't even recognize what makes them great. So one of the most exciting things about planning a book in that first session, people walk away on air a lot of the time, I hope so, is that not only do they have a plan for the book, but they've got a very clear sense of who they are as people. And they may never have had that before, how they serve, whom they serve. And it's very exciting for me to help people discover and own their 
uniqueness, not just in the marketplace, but as human beings. And that's part of the process. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and again, with my personal experience I had, you really helped me with the, with let's wow them or let's blow their mind at least four times or something to that effect. And that was powerful. And you actually helped me look at some things that I like how to set a budget and some other things that, that for me were just, were part for course. And I didn't really, you know, they were just part of a lecture and, and just something that I, I always teach. And so it was helpful for me to, for, for you to help turn it around and make those wow factors. Well, well, thank you. And you know, one of the books, one of the types of books that we do most often is a book that our clients use as a marketing tool. And it's a way of dis, uh, distinguishing themselves in the marketplace, a way of creating thought leadership for them, a way of demonstrating to the world, I am the person that you can trust. And then they can use the book to, uh, so that the prospect can sell the author to other decision makers, whether it's a spouse or team members. Uh, you know, the last thing your wife wants to hear is, I found the guy. Yeah, sure. You know, we've <laughs> all been there. And, right. But the thing is that if you can handle the, if you can handle the book or you hand your husband the book and say, then, then the husband, so the, the wife says, yes, in this, that you really did find the person. And when, we, uh, when we're able to, you know, here's the thing. A lot of time people think, okay, I'm going to write a book that is going to be about what I do. And they end up essentially writing a, uh, a marketing plan for their comp- competition. It's, like, it's just like, this is how to go into business. This is how I run my business. And the thing is that people don't want to become an expert in your field. They want to find an expert in your field. I hope it's you and then hire you and then walk away and trust you that you're going to take care of whatever their problem is, whether it's financial services or insurance or something to do with entrepreneurship or being a C, whatever, whatever you whatever it is, or you're just trying to convince them of a new set of ideas. So if you're able to, um, if it, people really just, people want their minds to be blown. People just don't want to, you know, a book that's got information. People want to have moments that are so exciting that they say to themselves, oh my gosh, I never realized that. And this guy's, or this woman's amazing. This person's amazing. So my job is to listen for the things that, as I said earlier, make you unique. What are the insights? What are the innovations that you have? And everyone's like, well, I don't have any innovations. I don't have any uniques. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I don't care if you're a financial advisor and you do the same thing as other. You don't do it the same way. You don't think the same way. You weren't. You didn't come into the business for the same reasons. You're not driven by the same motivations. You're different. And I and 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 it's fun to help people. I once worked with a. And I'm sorry for the long answer. I once worked with a an international business consultant, just a super brilliant guy. He worked on three continents. And when we were done planning the book, he said, you know, after the first 90 minutes, he said, you know, until you came along, I never knew what I did. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes we just need someone, you know, we just need someone else to come in and, 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 and listen. And I thought that my uniqueness was that I'm a good writer. The reality is that I'm an okay writer, but I'm a good writer, but I'm a really good listener. And that's where the magic happens Mm. when you've got somebody who will listen and that, and, and listening and attention are the most, uh, uh, desirable, and rarest qualities today in the world. It's so hard to find people who will just listen. And when you have that, and that's my unique ability, when you have that, someone who can really, really listen to you, uh, magic happens. Yeah, that's amazing. And again, experiencing it firsthand. And and I'm somebody that that teaches how to tell your vision story and how to, I mean, I I do that with clients and and we do it well. And then when it comes to my own story, though, it, it was something I needed help. Uh, differentiating. So that, that was really powerful for me to see that kind of transformation. And yeah, you do listen well, but in addition to that, you also come out of it and you are, uh, and you've got some just really super wisdom from what you listen to. So that's, I think it's really unique ability. 
Uh, you're probably sick of hearing this question, but I'm going to ask it Thank anyway. You. Uh, t tell me, tell me about being on Shark Tank. No, no, no. It's probably a very overasked question, but I went back and watched that because I've, I've <laughs> seen every episode of Shark Tank every season because I just I love the show. So I went back and watched it after I had met you, and I just I just thought you were you handled yourself very coolly, and it was cool to see Damon and, and Mark and those guys just just with the big smiles and, and enjoying being in your presence and talking with you. So what was that like being on that show? Oh, it, it wasn't like anything I've ever done. I felt as though I'd been miniaturized and shrunk and stuck in my TV set. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just walking, you know, walking down. It's not real sharks. It's video of sharks in the shark tank when you're walking down the little okay. corridor. And then, you know, then you stand there and the cameras have to uh, focus on you and get everything right. So you stand there for two minutes before you even say a word. And, you, you know, they're looking at you. You're looking at them. You can't say anything. And it's really unnerving. And then, and then you're hoping you're going to be able to remember your pitch and deliver it one time because you don't have any notes. And that's the first time they see you. That's the first time you see them. Hmm. So you're so you know you're so relieved you got your pitch out that then you forget that they're going to start asking you questions. <laughs> yeah, uh, and tough questions too, right? Yeah, and I, I have to say that they were very kind to me and very respectful. And I later on watched uh, you know a, a highlight reel of the way they just destroy people. And I realized that I was very fortunate, but the show was, it was sort of like an intervention on me as an entrepreneur. I, I, I just always saw myself until then as a writer guy who was kind of running a business, but the respect that they gave me, one of them said, you know, you've done what 0.0001% of writers has ever done. You figured out how to make a good living at it. Right. Um, and run business. You know, when they said that, I, I, something inside me changed. It was really as if the whole show, the purpose of the show was not to get me a deal, but to do an, a, you know, a, a nationally televised intervention on me so that I would recognize you know, that I am a business owner and that I'm not the knucklehead that I kind of think I am when it comes to uh, that part of what I do. So I did, I, I did not get a deal, but the, uh, the, I don't really need one. It's not that kind of business right. And uh, from my perspective. And you know, what I do really isn't scale. I mean, Damon said, can you do a lower price version for, for people with less means? And I said, I honestly can't right. because you know, how do I maintain the quality? And uh, I've never even seen the whole episode. I watched the first couple of minutes and I couldn't stand it. It was just, <laughs> you know, I knew I was going to lose. But so every, I, I told my wife last night, because the, the episode re-airs every eight weeks on, I guess, on C MSNBC yes, or CNBC. It and uh -huh. <laughs> and it, it aired this week. And the phone rings and people call it. I said, you know, I have a very weird business model. Uh, I told her, you know, every eight weeks I lose on national television and the phone rings. So, you know, go <laughs> Go figure. Well, that was my next question. What kind of response did you get when that aired? It was phenomenal. Um, I got a lot of, I, I mean, I, I get prospects every time it airs, which is great. And on top of that, uh, people called in. They had different ideas for my business model. And I talked to every single one of them because I figured, you know, maybe they know something I don't know. Hmm. And uh, there were some nutty people and there were some outlandish proposals. Um, but it was a... Uh, you know, it's a unique experience. I mean, it's a unique experience to, you know, stand there in front of these people. Um, my clients are all successful people. And I've, I've worked with a bunch of billionaires before. So I wasn't, you know, cowed by them. They're really no different. I did my homework. I read their books. I read up on them so sure. I could, you know, schmooze them effectively. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> You did schmooze and, you know, them very well. <laughs> thank you. Yes. It was, you know, we, we had a, and I had a game plan with Kevin because I knew he was going to come in hard and heavy. So I knew that whatever he said to, if he went into attack mode, I just was going to look at him and say, Kevin, 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 <laughs> is this how, is this how it's going to be between us? <laughs> and 
And at that moment, not only did the, he and the rest of the sharks laugh, but the whole, you could hear the stagehands, you could hear the crew laughing on the set. <laughs> and, and, you know, at that moment, everything changed. It's, well, it's, when, you know, when Mr. Wonderful relaxes and smiles a certain way and you want him over, that's a big deal because it sets the tone for the room, too. Well, that's exactly it. And, I mean, it's, you know, it was, uh, it, 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 it was just another sales call. Uh, I mean, it wasn't, but it was. It's, it's something where, you, you know, you have to know, you have to know what you want. You have to know the, uh, the people across the table. You have to establish rapport and uh, and find a way to connect with them. And, you know, if people have written books and you don't read their books, then you're an idiot. So, you know, right. if you don't, if, 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 you, if you go in cold into a room and you could have prepared and you could have known something about them and you could have established a basis of, of uh, meaningful rapport based on something that is out there already. I mean, I'm, I'm working on a proposal right now for an individual and uh, uh, she referenced on her website that she had been blindsided in a divorce. Well, I picked up and I, and I mentioned that in the email and I said that must have been very painful and I, and I, I, I applaud you for, uh, you know, for, for taking that hit and then keeping going and, and building a new life for yourself. Now, you know, does she want to be reminded that she was blindsided by her divorce? Probably not. But the thing is that it's up there on her website. So it, what it does is that it indicates that I took the time to act her and to get to know her instead of just throwing numbers at her. So that's powerful. Just a way of doing business. That's a great lesson not to get lazy in our, in our sales meetings. Sometimes we get good enough at our craft, and this has happened to me, where you know we think we've got it because in our own merit because we're so comfortable with what we do. But you're so right. We, we need to understand who we're going to talk to and what's relevant to them and, and what their contributions are and, and what's important to them. And that's, that's a great reminder not to get lazy with who we're going to meet if we still love what we do and, we, and we're motivated. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly it. And, and two things come to mind when you say that. One is that uh, I once heard it said that life is a battle between comfort and excellence. And uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's no excellence, there's no growth in the comfort zone. So my job is to keep expanding my comfort zone, keep stepping outside it and keep, you know, and, 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 I, and I do that. And I, I, I've taught writing for 25, 26 years. And I was telling the classes, I get more rejections, uh, rejection letters in any given year than all of you have gotten in your entire writing careers combined. Wow. But, the thing, but the thing is that life isn't about ad, a batting average. It's about, it's about did, you, did you try and did you succeed? And, you know, and not to get political, but they're making a lot of fun of Donald Trump and his stakes and, you know, some of the other ventures. You know, the person who doesn't uh, try things, uh, you, know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's what Gretzky said. So, wow. you know, let's let's get, and, and the other thing. I mean, there's a there's a Harvey McKay story in uh, one of his books about his paper company, and what he says is that he would send his cars, uh, he would send a guy in a car out and follow the delivery truck of the competition, and it, you know, and just watch where they dropped off envelopes. And so now he would turn that information over to his sales team and say, "This is where X Y Z envelope company is selling. Go to those places and undercut them." And, and, and he would win over tons of, so the thing is that you don't know who's doing competitive intelligence on you. You don't know who's, you don't, maybe you know who your competition is. Maybe you don't, but you know, I, I, as, as we mentioned, just before we started the the interview, we both have kids and a family and responsibilities. If I get fat and happy, you know, it's not just me that's going down. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, my kids are counting on, on on me. My wife is counting on me and my employees. Yeah. I've got 30 writers. I've got a team of 30 something people. Right. If, if, if I get, if I get lazy and fat and happy, uh, you know, people say, do you ever get writer's block? And I say, no, I have writer's mortgage. So, you know, it's just, 
It's just a question of, uh, you're, you know, <laughs> yes, that's... Let's, let, let's not get carried away. Yeah, and I get asked that often when I do podcasts is, how do you avoid the fat cat syndrome? And, and how do you stay motivated? And, and, you know, I think that happens often is people achieve a certain level of success and then they say what's next and they've got to continue to have other goals. And yeah, the, having the mortgage does help. But I think also finding ways to continue to be passionate about what you're doing is, is important too. When we get back from this break, I want to ask you more about how do you stay passionate about what you do? How do you avoid that fat cat syndrome and getting lazy? We'll be right back. Take a five-minute complimentary marketing assessment for your business. Whether you're a startup or an established brand looking for more quality customers for your business, this confidential assessment will help you identify the next logical steps for appropriate marketing tools, strategy, and development for making sure your branding and marketing campaign is a success. Visit AssessMyMarketing.com today. That's AssessMyMarketing.com. And now, back to today's Leadership Series interview. Michael, we talked before the break about staying motivated, staying hungry. How do you stay passionate about what you do? How do you avoid that fat cat syndrome and getting lazy? Oh my gosh! You know, every time I plan a book with a client, it's it it's it's it brings up a lot of fear for me. It brings up a lot of terror because it just you know sort of the low self esteem kicks in, and I and I say to myself, what on earth could I contribute to this person? She's so successful. He did this. He did that. He's a billionaire. What on earth? And then and then. I start to remember if they could plan their own book and write their own book, they wouldn't have called me. And, you know, you mentioned some of the things on my track record. I have a really great track record at 57. It's taken all this time to, you know, to, to do all that stuff. Right. And, and then once I get into the call and I start to listen and I realize, oh, you know something, I can do this. And then I find the book and I find the title and I find the chapters and I, you know, in what they're saying. And, and 45 minutes into the call, I send them over the, uh, the plan for the book and you know nine times out of ten they're just flabbergasted like how did you do that how did you find that yeah. well you know um uh the main thing is that I, I i stay a little bit afraid and i stay very very hungry and the other and the other thing is that i have a balanced life you know i run the boston marathon uh for dana farber you know the cancer yeah. institute I, uh, I, I, I'm active in my religious community. Uh, I, 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 I blog for Huffington Post about cultural events here in Boston, about the ballet or the opera, or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, uh, uh, I, 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 uh, I, I write for the New York Daily News. I have an online column for them about whatever comes into my head. I mean, I think my goal is no unpublished, no unpublished thoughts. But wow. you know, the main, the main thing is that. You know, I, I get, I sing with the Tanglewood Festival Chorus with the Boston Symphony Orchestra. I do a lot of stuff yeah. that is not work-related, and I do a lot of, obviously, a lot of stuff with my kids. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm home for dinner every night, or, home, I mean, like, you know, nine, night, nine business nights out of ten. Yeah. And, and, and I hang around the house in the evening, and I'm available to them. And, you know, so, so I have to compress what I do into the workday, because there's all this other stuff that I want to do. And, you know, I don't know, I think that, I think that, by sharpening the saw with all that other stuff and getting enough rest and taking care of myself, you know, you never really get bored. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't, I don't have advice for people who are bored because I've never been bored. So I wouldn't know what to tell them. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I can relate to that. You know, I, I will add one other thing from my experience work with you is even with your accomplishments. And I know that you're a confident guy, but there's, there's a, an approachable and there's a, there's some kind of humility about you. Um, that that makes you approachable and easy to talk with. And I personally experienced being wowed while we're on the conversation. You say, check your email. And I checked my email and, and I said, hey, you got that out of what I just said? That's 
pretty powerful. And again, I'm a guy that writes copy and writes good copy, but not in that way. And so it's a, you, you have an amazing talent and, and uh, you being approachable and motivated and hungry and, and that, that little dash of humility uh, at the right times, I think is really powerful. It was for me in, in making me more comfortable um, and not being intimidated with, with talking with somebody like you. Uh, well, that, I mean, that's nice. And talking to somebody like me, that makes me laugh. Look, Derek, let's tell the truth. I'm 57 years old. I've been, I've been sober for 24 years, day at a time. Now, what does that mean? It means that my life was a smoking pile of rubble by the time I was in, in, in my early 30s. I had no relationship, no money, no job. Uh, I, I know you want to get into the question of how the business started. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I th- through the process of, of, of cleaning up, I met a man who has been my mentor for now for 22 straight years. He sat me down at a Dunkin' Donuts. He, he, he owned four of the top restaurants in Boston. He said, look, you know, I know that uh, I, you creative people cannot do your best work if you cannot pay your mortgage, not for my mortgage, my rent or, or put food on the table. Right. He said, I'm going to show you how to start. He said, I'll show you how to start a business. And he took out one sheet of paper and, and, and it was, he said, you're going to offer writing classes uh, privately here in Boston. And you're gonna and, and and you're gonna rent space somewhere, and let's figure out what the expenses are. Let's figure out how much you need to make a month. Let's so that you still have time for writing. Let's see how many hours it's gonna. You know, and and, and this process I've never even heard of, which I've now repeated over and over. Wow. So the, so the thing is like you know for other people. So the thing is like this: if I start to get carried away with myself, it does not take me very long to remember that I was. I, by then, I had a I had a law degree from Columbia Law School. I had published three novels with Simon and Schuster. And in, 19, and in 1993, 94, that winter, I was on heating assistance in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts because my income was below $13,000. And in Massachusetts, they will not let the poor freeze to death. Wow. So, you know, so, so okay, I can look at the resume and I can look at the fancy clothes and I can look at the whole, you know, whatever. Uh, but, 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 but the reality is that I know who I am and I know what I am and I know where I was then. And I know that I could revert. I could revert to being that guy, you know. Uh, I, I have a friend who says I'm a hundred beers from the penitentiary, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, and I'm I'm five vodka tonics from destroying my family, you right. know. So 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 you know, when, when when you're when you're when you're constantly walking on the on that edge in life, uh, humility kind of comes easily because uh, you know better than anybody else just uh, you know just what lurks. And so, you know, so uh, that's something I never, ever lose sight of. Thank you, God. And as a result, I'm able to, uh, you know, be very grateful to show up in the world. And, and, if, and, and if I ever got to the point where uh, making a good living from doing the thing I love the most, which is being around books, planning books, making books happen, talking to smart people, learning, uh, people like you, people like your listeners, if I ever get bored with that, if I ever get bored with having a decent marriage and four wonderful kids and coming home to them and being their father and having their respect – if I ever get bored with that, then just shoot me. Hmm. So, you know, what, it, what I mean, you know, how, how I, you know, what, what more would I want? Wow. And, and, uh, you know, I, I have a billionaire client and he said it beautifully. I said, what does it mean to you to be a billionaire? He said, actually, I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what two of them said. One of them, one of them said, um, uh, when he only had about 400 million about 20 years ago, <laughs> I said, how does, I said, how does it feel to make $400 million from a standing start? And he said, to a billionaire, what I have is dimes. Wow. Okay. And then, and then okay, that's, I love the guy, but that's not my attitude. Right. And, then, you know, and then the other billionaire, I said, what's it like being a billionaire? And he said, what is it? I said, what does it mean to you? He said, it means I can do anything I want within reason. <laughs> 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 and, 
it turns out that, you know, I, I'm not a billionaire, but I can do anything I want within yeah. reason. And wow. so can most of us. So, you know, I mean, there, you know, I mean, look what happened. Uh, we're speaking on the day that there was this attack in Brussels. And right. we live in a crazy, crazy world. Anytime, any day you make it safely home to base, and your kids did too, you had a good day. I mean, you know, uh, people are like, is this all there is? I'm like, well, what more do you want? Right. You know, what, 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 what do you think is out there? So That's powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. What's next for you? I mean, we're, when you have that entrepreneurial niche and you're busy and you always stay busy, is there, is there something you haven't done yet that you are, are looking forward to doing? It could be a personal, it could be climbing a mountain, it could be a place you haven't traveled. What's something you want to do that you haven't accomplished yet? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. I, I mentioned that I started the business uh, 22 years ago as a way of, as a day job so that I could keep paying for my own writing. And so the, the thing that's ahead of me that I'm, uh, I, I, mean, I, just, I just sold a three book deal to a publisher in the recovery field wow. uh, called, uh, called Hazelden. It's the number one recovery publisher wow. in the United States. And uh, anybody who's listening, who's involved in that community will recognize the name. So uh, I've written one of the books and I've got to write the next two on the three book deal. And they want to build me up as a, as a, as a top recovery author. So, you know, being able to share what I've learned in that field, and they want me to do it across all platforms. They, you know, we're going to be starting a, a blog and a podcast and all kinds of stuff. The idea that I'm able to take what I've learned over the last, you know, 24 years of uh, sobriety and uh, uh, 28 years since I first sort of landed in that community in a, in a different uh, uh, fashion, to be able to take all that and turn it around and use it to be of service to other people um, you know, if you were to say to me, what do you want your life to be like a year or two from now? Th th that would be my primary focus. And the business would, you know, take care of itself. They'd bring me, you know, somebody would be running it, bring me in to plan the books for the clients. Uh, but I wouldn't be the day-to-day -day guy. And instead, you know, most of my life would be devoted to uh, the transformational, sharing the transformational lessons that, uh, that, that, that I've picked up and that I've been a student of uh, low these many years. You know. That's exciting. So, so where, where's home for you right now? Are you Boston? Or are you? Are you? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. We were we were in California for years, and we have, as I mentioned, we have four young kids, and uh, you know, my boys are thirteen, and uh, one of their friends had a father who became very successful. You know, he he created a series, you know a bunch of health clinics, and he made just a gazillion dollars, and which is great. And then the uh, you know they, they were debate they were building a you know a huge house, and they were debating whether to put a my boys came home. They said uh, that their dad is de debating whether to put a car wash into the garage of their new, uh, you know, to build a car wash into the. And and I and I just looked at my wife and I said, "Let's get the hell out of here. This is just." <laughs> you know, I mean, what, the, what you know? What are my boys going to think life is? You know, if, if, if they don't, if they grow up and they don't have a car wash in their garage, like, Daddy, why don't we have a car wash in our garage? Well, son, your mother and I have different values. I mean, you know, there comes a point where you just and so so you know we're here in Boston and the weather stinks, but the thing is that um, the uh, I, I, this is where I used to live. This is where I started the business, so it's sort of homecoming hmm. in that sense. But you know, but but uh, uh, no disrespect, no disrespect intended to Southern California, but. Uh, I just, I just think that uh, you know, you, uh, your kid has a better chance of growing up grounded here uh, than there. And yeah. you know, the, I, I the, lived in Southern California for many years, and I, and got many friends still there, and many families there. But, but I wanted my kids to have a similar change as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love it out there. I've had, I had twenty. I, I miss it terribly. I had twenty-four or something like great years out mm -hmm. there. 
And, uh, and, 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 you know, yesterday I was watching the news at the gym and it said they're campaigning out West. I'm like, out West? <laughs> what is it, like, like, like the Wild West or Mars <laughs> or somewhere? You know, it's part of the United States, you know. Right. It's out West. It's out there somewhere. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a phenomenal way of life. But the thing is that for the values we wanted, um, it just wasn't uh, happening for us. So, you know, uh, I'll go back out there. We'll go back out there when the kids are grown up whatever but that's great you've got so much going on if our listeners want to want to follow you and and i know they can google search you but where would you send them if they want to learn more about you or to, to read some of your books i know i follow a uh, a blog that you send out occasionally which is man your writing style is just it's just so relatable and it, it brings a tear to your eye sometimes makes you laugh you've got you've got politics i remember you had one about trump recently you you uh you i think you had one at a celtics game with your with your child i mean just wow and and, and, I, and I read all those and they and you know why i read them because i know that when i open it up i'm going to get something meaningful out of it and i i, I usually do so and with all the junk that we get now <laughs> and the opportunities we have to absorb and consume content it's refreshing when there's something you can look forward to that's not spamming you and and that has meaning to it but oh that's so nice of you thank you yeah, I mean the website is the website is business ghost gh business and then ghost ghost dot com like Casper the friendly ghost, and on it you can sign up for the the newsletter that you're talking about, and I do, I do a weekly newsletter and the Trump thing I mentioned uh, I did a newsletter uh, on the very first day of the first uh, Republican. Uh, uh, debate when they still had two, two, you know, two tiers and seventeen candidates, and the thing was called "Why Trump Can't Lose," and the bottom line was he cannot lose because he's having the time of his life. And you know, and if if somebody, I, I mean, I'm not going to get political here, but if somebody had told you even six months ago that uh, uh, that the that the Pope would be criticizing Republican frontrunner Donald Trump, you'd say, "Is this the Onion?" I mean, is right. this you know? So. It's it's just stranger than truth. Uh, everything that's happening to, and Bernie Sanders. So you know it's 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 a, it's. A, but the, the main the funny thing is that every time I, I do a newsletter every week about as you said about really whatever comes into my head and whether it's political or um, and I you know or or some of my family or whatever. The the interesting thing for me is that any time I do sort of a hard sell uh, and say this is something we're offering or we're just here's a new service, it's crickets. I never hear a thing. <laughs> but when I you know but but I'll write an article about. Um, I don't know. I, I, I went going to the museum with my daughter, and and then I'll, I'll get it. You know, and I'll get a note back from somebody I've never heard of or haven't heard of, heard but haven't heard from in four years, and they'll say I'm ready to do my book. So I figure, you know, people just like the fact that it's just something interesting. So right. go to go to businessghost.com, and uh, if they want to reach me, they can they can write me at Michael at businessghost.com, and uh, and and you know we'll talk. Michael, thank you so much for being my guest today. I've, I'm, uh, I'm honored to know you and to be able to work with you and, and to get time with you today. And I just look forward to um, how, how you continue to do great things. And I appreciate your humility and your honesty. And it's, it's a good lesson to me. And it's, and it's just refreshing to see. Uh, Derek, you're really nice, but the, you know the, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you for having me on. But I, I, I just don't want the listeners to think that I'm, you know, like uh, some 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 supernal being that won't take their call if they want to write a book. <laughs> they should just like drop me, just drop me an email, Michael at Business Ghost. There's your hard sell for the day, and, uh, and 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 we'll get it done for you. So that's about awesome. it. Michael, so thanks thank, for having me. Thanks Derek. again. Enjoy Boston. Enjoy your family. Thanks, you too, sir. Thanks so much. All the best. You've been listening to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. This interview was designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. 
Your host, Derek Champagne, is the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution, a full-service agency building successful brands, marketing tools, and campaigns, and also the author of the best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck. <laughs> 